the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, USA Today's NFL Wire site for the Arizona Cardinals, with my co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. This is episode 469. It is our um, it is our first show of week five as we look back at the Cardinals' 35-16 to loss to the San Francisco 49ers, Seth. If only... If only they could have just Zach Ertz catch that pass or, or Zach Pascal catch that pass. We have a perfect cover, and I look smart on my. I look. I go three and zero on my underdog picks. I hit on the on the Cardinals cover. They kick the extra point. Prater goes over his four and a half. We make a little bit of money. The Cardinals get close. Yeah, it would have been a good day, right? Yeah, and you know it was interesting because. If you look at the end of the first half and then the third quarter, the Cardinals played really well. Almost, you know, you don't want to overstate it, but almost to an equal point of the San Francisco 49ers. But, I mean, let's be honest. You and I talked about it. We knew that this was going to be an extremely tough game for the Cardinals and one of the things I said after the the lot or the, excuse me the the Giants loss and and it's you know 100% holds true especially going into this game and then coming out of this game is that as good as your X's and O's can be those Jimmy and Joes those are the guys that that execute the plan and you know the Cardinals just didn't have those guys I mean even even the bulk numbers that we'll talk about look really good at times but there was just not enough efficiency and there was just not enough plays being made in in clutch times not even just talking about the you know end of the game like you talked about where it, they could have just made it look a little better um there were there were key plays during the game that that just didn't get made that allowed this to be more lopsided than it probably was where the Cardinals were never going to upset the 49ers at any point, even when they got it to 21 to 16, the 49ers were always in control, but I think you and I both agree that they could have finished it a little stronger than they did. Yeah. I, I it, if we want to talk about right now is what were we most disappointed about? I wasn't disappointed in the loss because I, I, didn't think that the Cardinals really had a chance of winning. Uh, I, I'm, you know, personally, I'm disappointed in the lack of the late cover, but that's that's for purely selfish reasons. Um, and I, I know that there were a lot of people who 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 are on that side of things. You would have liked to have seen them push better late and start better. That's kind of the one thing that they've done, but well, all year was start really well and. And they didn't do that this time. They weren't as efficient to kind of start things off. And granted, San Francisco is a completely different beast when it comes to things because of their... You look at talent across the board. You know, they've got a competent quarterback, but they've got arguably the best running back in football. They've got one of the best pairs of receivers you will find. You've got one of the best tight ends. 
on their offensive line, they have arguably the best left tackle. They have elite players at all. Um, basically, they have elite players in the front seven, and they have good to very good players in the secondary. Like It depends on what you feel about their stasis. Hufanga, I can't forget how to pronounce the first name, but Hufanga is really, really good. And so you look on top of that, their 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 rookie kicker Jake Moody has been absolute nails. And so it, it is a team that is, in terms of depth and and ability, there are no real holes. And like the one hole that you would argue they have at quarterback, Brock Purdy's playing at just such a at a great level. Um, and I guess that the two things I I was more I was disappointed in is the fact that they didn't get more pressure on Purdy and two, that they were unable to create any takeaways at all because as as effective as they could have played, without those two things, they weren't going to have a chance. And I just I don't, I was disappointed that it got a little bit away from them at the end of the game and that they had that there, there was no answer for Christian McCaffrey. That they, we get that Christian McCaffrey is tough, but it was like you and I defending Christian McCaffrey out there. In that game. Yeah, it, like you said, it was ugly at the end, right? And that's that's what we were hoping to avoid or not see from this this team, and and uh, you know it, it made it tough in the end because you had you had a lot of chances to potentially create opportunities, like you said, to to uh, make this a, a closer game. Well, they could have just kneeled down as well. They had to get that extra touchdown. Like, just kneel the ball down. It would have been like a minute left, and you're up by, you're up by twelve. You have a minute yeah, but, left, uh, and, but and we, you, we know that's that. We know that's not their mentality. We <laughs> I know, know that's that. not. I'm like, could, could you please kneel the ball down? I, I'm like, again, this is this is this is why you shouldn't gamble, guys. Is because you you create stupid scenarios to get upset at. <laughs> One hundred percent, and that's why you know it's silly and and but it's also I mean let's be honest, how many of us are watching the end of that Cardinals Forty ers game? I mean, outside of you and I, no, we have to because we're we writing have to. words about it. Yeah, but like, who's actually watching that in that situation then? N- nobody, right? They're like, oh, <laughs> and then the, of this- course the the alternate game that they could have watched when they flipped to it was just the absolute debacle of Dallas, <laughs> Dallas, New England. So, they're- well, and that, it's so funny you bring that up, and you know, not to, too big of a side, but like one of my best bets of the day was a, a parlay, and I put Mac Jones in there because I figured that they would lose, but I figured it'd be competitive. Yeah. Uh, and, and they benched him halfway through the third quarter oh, and he no. needed, he only needed 25 yards. And so it was like, it was like this baffling situation where you look at it and you're like, are there like only two good teams in the NFL this year? Like it, you, you genuinely wonder, cause the Cardinals just beat the cowboys like and then the patriots go into dallas and just get shellacked like they don't even look like they belong on the same field <laughs> and, and i know the patriots are supposed to be like significantly better than the cardinals right and i know transitive properties is never the way to uh think about sports but like the reality is yeah like this is a team that was supposed to be competitive and instead they look I don't want to say lost, right? But like they look like they made a huge mistake in Mac Jones. Um, they look, 
you know, and so you just look at it and you're like, man, how did the Cardinals end up having to play in in the NFC West, right? Or what is <laughs> clearly going to be, again, the NFC best in terms of just the, the division overall in the NFC. And who knows, maybe, maybe the reality becomes the Cardinals, you know, win over the Cowboys was a huge upset and the Cowboys go and knock off the 49ers in week five. But right now it just looks like, you know, that the 49ers are so far ahead of every other team in the NFL in terms of abilities that it's just, just wonder where this goes. And so that's why it's hard to get overly disappointed, right? Because, I mean, we've seen them beat every team that they've played except um, – that second game now that's escaping me real quick but yeah they, i mean they've beat everybody that they've played with relative ease and even in that in that game against the rams it was never no no that the only reason it looked as close as like you know they got the cover because sean mcveigh kicked field goal <laughs> with no time left right and so yeah san francisco isn't has been in control of every game even like the the giants game it was a close game going into the fourth quarter but it wasn't close it was an eight point game going into fourth quarter but they it felt like they were much more ahead it's just they've been so methodical it's frustrating like well but even the Cardinals game even that Cardinals game um it it felt like they could have if they really wanted to they could have scored 50 but they they didn't really stress their passing game they took efficient but maybe that's what they are you know maybe they're not explosive in the way of of kansas city or miami or buffalo right because because that's asking brock purdy to do more than he's capable of but they can be efficient and i know people are gonna take this way out of context but they can be efficient and and rely on a dynamic running game and a phenomenal defense a la early Tom Brady, right? Where they're not saying, you know, they're just putting the game in his hands of like, hey, don't screw this up. And, you know, I talked about that the other day. Like, people want to look at at jo- what Josh Jobs did and be like, hey, that's a phenomenal performance. It was a very good performance, but, you know, 15 or 13 incompletions, some of them, you know, were drops and some of them were just bad throws. And, and you look at it, the efficiency is what is what the killer is from the 49ers and, and the Cardinals don't have that same efficiency and yeah, they don't have the same talent level. Like we all know that, but that, you know, if you put, if you put Brock Purdy in this offense, is he, <laughs> is he better than Josh Dobbs? And then on the flip side, if you put Dobbs in the, in the Shanahan offense, yeah, he's probably not as efficient because we've talked about how good Purdy is in that mid-level range. But he's able to to keep the timing of the offense, and that's kind of what you see the differences in, in those type of players and things is that when you have a guy like, like Purdy who's not going to make mistakes that you have to, as you said, kind of off the air, force him to make mistakes, it's going to be tough to beat them. Come to next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's let's start on the different side of the ball, the good and the bad on offense. That's coming to next on Rise Up Sea Red.
We're back on the Rise Up Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk on the web. I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball. I wrote about this um, yesterday. And if you look at the offensive numbers, now they only scored 16 points. But if you go across the metrics, aside from the lack of points, when the, and you could just argue this, they should have had another touchdown at the end of the game. Um, Zach Ertz, that's, you know, it, we've been we've been joking about on Twitter with, in our group chat about, how Dobbs hates throwing, like, hates completions down the field to, to Zach Ertz. You know, some of those, most of those have been because Dobbs have been off on the throws, but that one was just plain drop. That, you know, they put up, they score 23 points against San Francisco, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. But, but look look at some of the, the offensive numbers that they had, 362 yards, respectable they com- they converted on 53% of their third downs they averaged 5.4 yards a play they rushed for over 100 yards they didn't turn the ball over they were they were 2 of 3 in the red zone um and you across the board you know Josh Dobbs had 265 passing yards he had two touchdown passes you had um Hollywood and Michael Wilson both had seven catches Hollywood almost goes for 100. You've got three receivers over 50 yards. Now, granted, uh, those Zach Ertz numbers came mostly in garbage time. I think three of his six catches came in the final drive, and he should have had, you know, he should have had seven catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, but he didn't. Um, You know, Dobbs was was good with with his legs. James Conner only had 11 carries, but averaged 4.7 yards per, per attempt. Like, all of the offensive metrics hit where you want, and so you can't be too terribly disappointed with the offensive play, and I think overall it was it was basically good. Just the problem was that what the problem was is that they punted on their first two possessions. That that first quarter they got behind, you know, because they went they they were down seven nothing. So they had the punt, they could go by and had a touchdown, they punt again. Then San Francisco scores that touchdown in the second to start the second quarter, and guess what? Boom, it, that that was basically it. If they get any points in those first two uh, drives, I think we're talking a different football game. Yeah, and and you know it was one of those situations where they just couldn't finish early, and that created problems late. And like you said, it you know the the being able to get to um 16 to 21 i thought that was a good thing i mean but it also causes or shows the the warts of the team right it it shows the warts of okay they got that you know they got the the touchdown right before half right um a great drive by uh by dobbs and and they did a really nice job of just getting them um, into a position to be able to do that. Uh, you know, they had a couple of big plays on it. Michael Wilson just showed up huge. That that touchdown. I think. I mean, I think we both agree it was a touchdown. It was definitely closer than I wanted it to be. Right to not being a touchdown, but I, I think overall, both of us would say it was it was a touchdown. Um, but you had, I mean, it's just like little little things like that where you're like, okay. And then they came out and scored to start the second half. And you're like, 
you're like, okay, this is a team that can fight, and that's what we knew. But then the the warts showed up, and the warts being like, oh, you just don't have the guys to keep up. Like the you know, you look at it, the 49ers, you know, the the Cardinals come out, they score or they they force a seven and out <laughs> for. I mean, let's be honest. They still got 41 yards, but that 99-yard drive was that—that that was probably the highlight of the early season, even over beating the Cowboys. Because I don't think—I mean, I was texting a buddy of ours, and I was like, once they got the first down, I was like, all right, now you kind of flip field positioning, and that's really all that mattered in that situation. When you really have agreed with that, like you—you you were just kind of like, hey, as long as they can get out to about the 30. Cooney can have a good punt like that's going to be huge but no I mean they they made plays you know and and this is one of the plays I wanted to talk about when you just talk about when you talk about Dobbs the quarterback and and it ended up not mattering because they ended up getting the first down but on second and eight they he throws a speed out to Marquise Brown and in the moment you're like, oh, why didn't Marquise Brown keep his feet and get get up the field? And then you go back and watch it, and it's a it's just a bad throw. Um, he put it low in a way where Brown had to go down, pick it up off the ground, basically, and it that momentum carried him into uh, falling, and and he wasn't able to run after the catch. So instead, it's third and and two and or third and one and obviously they get it and they go on to score so it doesn't matter but those are just little things that you look at and you go if they don't score if they don't go down like that's something to think about and remember or if they didn't get the first down right there well now that was right before the the zeke turner fake punt thing wasn't it no 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 that what was it i'm looking right now hold on no no that was uh off one of the the tush pushes that they had there Ah. (laughs) so but yeah i mean you know you look at it it was just one of those situations that they just you know it it worked out so it's going to get lost in the shuffle but if he hits him in stride that's an easy first down and like there's never there's no need for that and so it's just it's little things like that that you look at you go well that's nitpicking but yeah that's i mean that's the difference in in games sometimes you know you look at when we talk about the brock purdy situation Purdy on a speed out like that, he he hits Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuels in the numbers, and then they gain an extra eight, ten yards, and you're like, oh, why can't you cover that? Because <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't cover that, right? Exactly, and so it's just like, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be getting mad. And so yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I thought I thought overall, I thought overall it was a you know a there was a lot of great great things um and then just the reality of that there i mean and nobody really is let's i mean philly will be and that's why that'll be you know a really good likely a really great in uh nfc championship game but i mean is anybody up to keeping that san francisco front seven or I guess technically six at bay all day. Like, God, those guys are good. They are. They're really good. And you look at another positive at offense. You know, they they 
they only had 10 offensive plays in the first quarter. They had drives of three, and they went three and out, and they had the seven. But each one of their five possessions after that were 10 plays or more. Uh, we're seeing... And and by the way, that's also the good and the bad again, right? Yes. You, you, you mentioned it at the beginning. You can't fall into that hole. Just, I mean, it just can't happen. You can't, you can't only run six offensive plays. I know it's technically eight with the, with the punts, but you can't run six offensive plays and then expect to beat or even really compete with San Francisco when they're, again, they're not explosive. I don't know if they can be. Let's be honest, they haven't had to be yet. But it's not like, but they were also explosive-ish. They, they weren't explosive, but they only had one drive of more than 10 yards, of more than 10 uh, that hit double digits. Right, but you look at you know their first drive, eight plays, 62 yards, over four minutes. Their second drive, nine plays, 75 yards, over five minutes. So in, in reality, the Cardinals, you know, their first two drives were 10 total plays, and they they – kept the ball for just around six minutes the 49ers were 17 plays and they were able to keep the ball for almost 10 minutes and that's that's for two touchdowns and (laughs) well and that exactly but but you look at it like a great drive and and i know people are going to disagree but a great drive even though it only resulted in a field goal was that 13 plays six minute drive right after the the 49ers scored their second touchdown because that is what you need to do. You need to give your defense a break. You need to give them a chance to recover. And then they did it again and followed it up with the 13-play drive for that touchdown. That's what they needed. They didn't necessarily need, you know, chunk scoring drives where they're where they're throwing, you know, throwing 80-yard bombs. But what they needed was to just limit the amount of time that the defense had to be on the field. Because let's be honest, we knew that was <laughs> We knew that was the big mismatch in the day. Yeah, you had to love the play of of Michael Wilson. Um, That's exciting, isn't it? it? It is. It is. And and the one thing is what because of his because of his career at Stanford, I'm like, when's he breaking a bone? That's <laughs> that's the thing I keep asking myself. Like he's going to be good, or but when he's going to break a bone? Because we know it wasn't soft tissue stuff, but it was his bones that were the issue in college. Uh, so yeah, yeah, the, everything else across the board offensively was pretty was pretty solid. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seared podcast, the best of Cardinals talking a little. Let's talk about the defense, which wasn't as good. What was good? What was bad there? What's that's coming up next on Rise Up Seared. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. Best of Cardinals talk on the web. Time to talk defense, which there's no way around it. While the defense didn't play badly, they definitely were not good enough. The problems, the, the reason why the Cardinals lost this game were, had honestly nothing to do with their offense. It had to do with their defense and just absolutely being outmanned and overwhelmed by the talent of the San Francisco 49ers. I think you and I can both agree there was a a player that played really good and then a player that played well and then a bunch of guys that were that were okay and or I shouldn't even say a bunch a couple of guys that were okay and then everybody else that it just showed up that they're on you know second third fourth stringers at those positions Dennis Gardet continues to be fantastic holy cow the spin moves he the spin move he has I don't know how like one, he's got he's got good 
but you, we've now seen this, I think, on at least half of his sacks. Like, he sets that right tackle and then puts his back to him and turns back to inside. The right tackle doesn't have, like, once the tackle uh, commits to the outside, Gardick gets inside. It, his spin move for a guy who is limited athletically is insanely good. Well, and you look, he followed that up a couple of plays later where he beat Trent Williams with relative ease with just a with just a speed bend pass rush and you know they're never going to call holding on Williams but you know <laughs> Williams held him it forced the incompletion and it got the cardinal I think it was the the stop that they got and it got the cardinals off the field and you're just like man this guy is is small but he is a just a ferocious ferocious competitive player and really fun to watch um i think keytrail clark played well uh you know he had obviously the unfortunate highlight of being hurdled on on one of the christian mccaffrey touchdown runs but i think for the most part that was a one-off situation and, and for the most part i think you and i would agree he played well um from there i mean david collins had some moments kaiser white had some moments but for the most part it was it was it was it was rough. I thought that well like there was no way. I mean playing like Chris Barnes was available but it was Zeke Turner who played. Um I like Zeke it, Turner as a player. I was going to say this is not a shot at Zeke Turner. It's it's really not, but it's just the reality of who he is in the NFL, well, that right? And who they were playing? One hundred percent. You know, if they're if they're playing the the Bears, it's probably not a huge deal. Well, and what what we know about Zeke Turner, as as talented special teams player he is. Remember, he was not a linebacker coming into in the NFL. He was a safety, so he was kind of a like as he developed, like he moved because he was he was a little bit under athletic for safety so they moved him closer to the line of scrimmage he's really great on special teams and he basically became for like Vance Joseph he became the the backup Isaiah Simmons because he could do all the things that Simmons can do just without the same level of a, of elite athleticism and so if you're asking Zeke Turner to be a run stopper you're going to have some problems. You're going to get, you're going to, if, if you ask him to do more in space, you're okay. But like trying to, trying to square up Christian McCaffrey, yee, good luck with that. Yeah. And that's, and that's just what it became. And, and it was unfortunate and, you know, it is what it is. Um, they, they failed and, and were On the unable. defensive line, they just like. They can't. They're, like, they're, yeah, they're just outmanned. They're, they're outmanned there because you're like clearly they're three best defensive linemen. We're all like Jerem, uh, Jonathan Ledmetter out. Hopefully he'll be back this week. But no Watkins, no no Collier. They're done probably for the year. You bring in Roy Lopez. He'd been with the team a week. Um, he's 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 been a starter in the league. Like that's what he did when he was in Houston. But like I, I commented on on the show last week. I hadn't heard of. I didn't know what a Roy Lopez was before before they signed him. Right, and you know, again, it's not a shot at these guys. It's just, it's just the reality of who they are as as players. And you know, it's it's unfortunate that they're going to get 
lambasted because they just lack the the same level of talent as as the their competition and and you know it is what it is they they struggled and they were unable to keep up with what is 100% the best team in the NFL so you also look at things like what you want them to be able to do they didn't they didn't stop any but like they got huge numbers from Brandon Ayuk six catches 148 yards 177 total yards four touchdowns from Christian McCaffrey they did nothing to Brock Purdy except for the one sack and the one pressure it seemed like Purdy had all time he had no problems throwing the ball he was accurate only the one incompletion the entire game um, showing off you know that that elite production so last year he completed over 80 percent of his intermediate passes this year he was like like at 90 percent and that I'm sure went up because I mean he only had the one incompletion he's been he's been incredibly good at that middle range and just the Cardinals had no answer for anybody they didn't have an answer for Ayuk they didn't have an answer for McCaffrey and they weren't able to do anything to Brock Purdy and so there was and and then San Francisco only had five third downs that's how that's how much the the San Francisco offense just moved down the field like they had what was it 55 offensive snaps and five third downs so they were they were not even and they converted three of those they scored touchdowns on every single red zone trip it was the complete opposite of what happened against Dallas the cardinals offered no resi- they 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 basically offered them minimal resistance in every phase of the game except for that very first drive in the second half, and I believe that was the drive when Gardick got the sack and they forced the incompletion. That was those two plays were the reason why they punted once. It is, and and you know, it's interesting because you know I, uh, being a youth football coach and coaching our first game this weekend, one of one of the teams we played used a, a back out pass about six times in the game and we continually told the kids like hey you got to watch this and they continually didn't and you're like why can you not figure this out and and then you watch it and you're like oh it happens in the nfl too never mind (laughs) (laughs) i shouldn't expect i shouldn't expect 13 year olds to be able to do it if if guys that are getting paid hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars can't do it either um, I wish that he got more pressure. That was disappointing, especially. Oh, that was, yeah, that was super disappointing. Like I, we knew that nothing was going to happen with Trent Williams, but on the right side, I want, I would have liked to have seen the Cardinals produce more or force more on that side. Uh, cause they, I mean, Greg Kittle, uh, Greg Kittle, George Kittle only had the, to be fair, he's playing like Greg Kittle right now. So. <laughs> At least, uh, at least as a pass I'm an, catcher, I'm an old man. If I can, I know who Greg Kittle is, but <laughs> but you know he he's playing he he's not playing at the same level he used to as a pass catcher, but he's still such a ferocious blocker that it you know it's okay and and it's it's ironic that the Cardinals need three guys in in Ertz McBride and Jeff Swaim to basically get what the 49ers do out of just Kittle. Yeah. 
Well, he's he's a special player. Um, San Francisco had eight different guys catch passes. Um, yeah. And it, so here's my question. I I, I want to get your feedback on it. Is it kind of weird how much they just continually use? And I don't want to say beat up because it doesn't seem like he's getting beat up, but like continually use Christian McCaffrey even when they're up by a ton. Like, isn't that weird? Yes and no. Um, I think Elijah Mitchell, I, I, I think Gase basically what it is is that I know Mitchell just again. doesn't doesn't trust his his back back guys. And, and on the show with Kyle last week, he was talking about that. But being able to rely on Elijah Mitchell, otherwise, like what's the knock on McCaffrey's durability? His production is unquestioned. But if you want him late in the season and in January, um, then you need to give him, you know, some some rest and i know that mitchell's injury um probably was the reason why because uh, he hit mitchell had practiced essentially had practiced all week and then got hurt late and yeah so that- he, got, he got a knee banged on thursday um you know the memes coming out of all of practices right now are f- pretty funny because it's basically been like what type of practices are all these teams running that it's like every Wednesday and Thursday you get a bunch of notifications and obviously this is mostly fantasy football related, but you know, as fans of, of a team, this is, you know, a problem. And you look at it and you're like Marquise Brown thumb, uh, you know, who was it this week? Uh, Juwan Jennings had a shoulder. Elijah Mitchell had a knee. You're like, what is going on in well, Paris? Johnson guys? tweaked an ankle on Friday. Right. And then, played fairly well for the most part yeah that that was that was promising so yeah coming up next on the rest of Sierra podcast best serve cardinals talk on the web let's move forward and and look ahead now to this week we're not going to talk but there's been some roster moves made the the cardinals have gone through the first four games what's coming next that's coming up uh, next on rise up she read we're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, special Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals made three moves on Monday. Um, you, when you hear this show, uh, I'll try to get up early Wednesday so that it's before practice and, and before any notifications about what roster moves the Cardinals made. But they released three players. They released L. Manning, one of the offensive linemen that they had picked up off waivers. They 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 released Christian Matthew, cornerback last year, was a seventh row pick. And then they also released um, Chris Boyd, a uh, special teams guy uh, who got in a little bit of a skirmish. Um, and I'm wondering if it's related to that. But that more, is a fun question to ask, right? Yeah. But, you know, the, those particular moves portend things that could be happening this week because injured reserve that Cardinals have four players who are eligible to return to practice this week. You've got Kyler Murray on PUP. You've got rookie Dick Garrett Williams on NFI, uh, both recovering a torn ACLs. Uh, Williams suffered his last October playing for Syracuse. He has yet to practice, period, with the Cardinals since being drafted. By the way, can I make a real quick statement on yeah. that? All right, so the irony, and and I know I'm going to irritate people with this, the irony that People are like, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, Garrett Williams towards ACL. They got to let him get healthy versus 
the the weird kind of vitriol of why isn't Kyler Murray ready yet? Like, is he not going to play this year? <laughs> it's like, wait, this dude tore his ACL almost two full months before Kyler and is basically in the same spot, if not slightly behind Kyler. Which like, is weird we, because like when he was drafted, the timeline he expected to be fully cleared by, by July. So I don't know if it's just if it was just long playing him because they knew he was not going to get the offseason program. I, but yeah, this it's been nearly a full year. It's been what we're October. Yeah, basically a full year. And he's still. There. And by the way, as, as somebody that's blown their ACL, like I know for a fact, they all take different times to recover that's just the reality of the the injury you know some people and now by the way when i blew mine it was still archaic i think they still you know were just taking cadavers out of dead animals on the side of the road to replace them. <laughs> like like it's it's not it's not just a simple like oh okay you're ready to go and like everybody heals in a different way and so you know that was always the thing is like it's it's gonna be interesting to see how it how it all plays out but you know i think for the most part that we'll see what happens from from here but yeah you got garrett williams you've got uh obviously kyler and and so we'll see kind of then you have to assume that we've got dennis daly who was who injured his ankle in the preseason finale he was placed on ir after making the active roster do you think he's gonna replace elijah at this point because elijah's clearly been their worst uh offensive lineman it's a possibility but he's i mean obviously you got to get daily at practice first and then my j sanders um who fractured his hand at the beginning of training camp we haven't seen him do anything at all he's eligible to be returned to practice that's going to be it so uh, of those four guys they made three roster moves now the chris boyd one might have simply been um a reaction to his his Penalty. near fight his penalty and near fighting that might have been uh being a border guy on the on the roster christian matthew though and and el manning they they to me kind of feel like they're clearing a spot for a cornerback and an offensive lineman i think i think i think we're, we can probably guess that daly's coming back who was initially kind of one of the team's six trusted seven trusted offensive linemen um Tristan Colon apparently has reached that status. Daily coming back makes sense. Um, Garrett Williams coming back makes sense because you you had they, Starling Thomas. On, they desperately need corners also. They need corners. You've got Starling Thomas at the back of the roster who's yet to be uh, active, but they didn't cut him. And he can do kind of what Chris Boyd does. He, he kind of made a, had a little niche in, in Detroit when he was there uh, on special teams, so he could fill in that spot. But if you need, like, Christian Matthew, that's a body. So are either they're going to bring up Quavion White, sign a veteran cornerback, or or maybe it's time, and maybe they, they're ready for, for the rookie to come back in Williams. My Jay probably is ready to come back. I just don't know what, like, what in the world are they going to do with an eighth outside linebacker? Yeah, that's a, that's a fun question right now. So we'll see how that all works out, because I don't know if there's a – if there is a sheet or anything to follow in this case, because it is a new group, because their defense is clearly an issue in a lot of places, 
like how are they going to go about filling this roster out? Because, you know, they've got some questions that they've got to answer along that along the line or along the defensive side of the ball now, um, especially after this last two weeks, even though they got away with it against the Cowboys. You now they got to figure things out now because they've got some, you know, winnable, probably maybe a strong word, but they've got a, some games that they should compete in uh, even better over the next uh, five weeks. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray, the report from ESPN's Adam Schefter was that Kyler is not going to be activated from PUP and that he is still considered weeks away from playing. I'm going to play, I'm going to mince words here. I never suggested that he was going to come off PUP this week. However, he could be designated for return. Yeah, and that would, you know, that, that, that would, would be match a bit- and to say that he's weeks away would still mean he's going to miss that he could be back in week six. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, may, I, I'm thinking probably now weeks seven or eight might be the more reasonable timetable. But, like, would they open the – you get a three-week practice window. You open the practice window for three weeks, and then you've got to do something within those three weeks. I wonder how many of those actions will be taken. Now, you get to designate to return eight players. So, at, at this point, we've got four that that could happen to, which they're kind of in place to do. Are they going to do that right away? You know that they want to do that with Buddha as well, so he would be number five. Um, but all all four of these guys feel like guys that they would want to designate to return as well. So keep an eye on that. My guess is daily, my J, maybe Garrett Williams, probably, and and, and at least daily will be active like he'll be he'll be designated to return and activated this week as well um maybe that will be the case i just don't know what i just don't know what to make of that the cornerback situation because now you you just cut two guys um and now you've got only four cornerbacks on the roster period because you've got you've got clark wilson hamilton and thomas who we've never seen so Adding a quarterback, cornerback makes sense. Garrett Williams makes sense because you would, you still like it, Williams would probably be inactive, right? Because then you just bring up, well, no, they they were having five, they were five having five cornerbacks active on game days. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to think about that. I think you're right. I think you know, there, it's going to be interesting to see how they fill this out, but. We're hopefully getting closer to seeing more of what we were hoping in terms of talent on the field this year. Yeah. Question. Do you think maybe we saw just limited, very amount, small amounts of it. Do you think that they might move Cam Thomas inside for a for a larger role there because of the injuries they've been dealt with? I mean, obviously he can't play the role that uh, a guy like um uh, those walk-ins or LJ Collier played, but you know, I think they want to utilize him in that way, and that 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 could you know unlock him a little more. Well, and then it would in terms of the ability to playing to play time. Mike. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say in terms of playing time. Well, yeah. So yeah, roster moves are coming. 
Um, we'll wrap up this edition of the Rise of Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals Talk of the Web. We will record later in the week, previewing the Bengals game, um, which feels like it could be a winnable game. And then as well, I hope to have a Bengals guest as well later in the week. So with that, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is Rise of Sea Red podcast. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back in a couple days. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.